podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Lacey, here with Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. What's up, y'all? Hey, Lace. Hey. Uh, hi. You know what? Today, oh, I have a lot of feelings about today, but today's a very special day for us. Why is that? Pero por qué? Today is our first listener request episode. Yay! Jenny Cruz, one of our listeners, requested today's movie for us to bring on the pod. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's my movie. I claim it. We're doing it. Yeah. So uh, today's a listener request. Um, We've been getting some great feedback on social media. And also, like we say every week, Josh threatens you. We have an email address. And you're welcome to send us love, hate. We've actually gotten, I didn't tell anyone this, but we've gotten some a negative email. It was great. It was one line. It was anonymous. It said the show sucked, but you're <gasps> listening, so we love you. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Wait, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. So we've gotten uh four or five, but the one that we highlighted, of course, is Ginny. So we're doing this episode for you. Thank you so much. And then there's another email that I just want to take a second and read. I got permission to read on the air. Of course, feel free to send us emails. We respect your privacy, so nothing will go out that you don't want us to read on the air. But just for a second, this email reads, Hey, WCA crew, I've been wanting to send this email for a while, and I finally had the time. So first, I wanted to say I found your podcast through the Wisecrack Show Me the Meaning episode of the Snyder Cut. I loved the chemistry that you had with each other and with the crew, and honestly, Raymond is my favorite host. So if he was friends with you all, I'm sure I would like your content. I started from episode one with the Titanic and the infamous Cal defense, which still makes me laugh thinking about your arguments for it. He didn't say I was wrong, just by the way. Shut up. It's in the subtext. It's in the subtext. And I slowly worked my way through your catalog until I caught up and listened to your new ones every week. I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. This last year has been incredibly difficult and stressful and soul crushing. Due to everything going on, it was hard to spend time with my friends and see movies and do things like that. Listening to your podcast made me feel like I was sitting with my friends, listening to all the ridiculous conversations we would have about movies. You have brought such a smile to my face so many times, from Josh's loud, what? What are we talking about? To Mela's dig with the wig, to Rashawn putting on his villain hat, even though we all know Josh is the true villain of this piece, to Lacey just being her honest self with the movies. All of you have had a thought or a comment or an idea that made me laugh and made me think harder about the movies you're talking about. You talk about everyday movies, which I love, not from an ivory tower or a pedestal, but as people who love movies. I think one of your most recent episodes said it best, a cinephile is just a person who loves movies. This email is simply to say thank you to you all for being yourselves and sharing that with the world. With people like me who needed to hear friends, laughter, and joy, bickering, and playfulness. It has truly meant the world to me. That was an email we got about a week ago, and... It My just meant are the world wet. to us. <laughs> so thank you to that listener. Thank you to all of our listeners, whether you email us or not, whether you rate and review us or not. We're grateful that you're here with us and that we can continue to do this every week with each other and share this with you all. So send us an email, even if you tell us we suck. We love it. <laughs> we thrive off the drama, as Josh usually says. <laughs> <laughs> and... We have a very special guest joining us today, our dear friend, Katie Rodriguez. Hello. Hi, Katie. What's up? Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited and nervous and scared that I'm going to be the Rashawn of this episode. (laughs) Katie has been a friend of ours for years. We've all done theater together. Katie has been one of our most devoted and wonderful listeners who 
weekly will text us her opinions on the pod (laughs) as she's listening to it. So it's only appropriate that she's here today to really get her voice out there and probably tear me to shreds. Not tear Um, you. You didn't make the film. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, we're very excited to have you here today. Um, What movie would you say made you a cinephile? First of all, I did want to cut you off, but I'm also so excited to be here. Um, <laughs> I'm already being dramatic. Uh, this is very random, but the first movie I can remember watching and just really being blown away is Empire of the Sun. It's a Steven Spielberg film starring a, what, 13-year-old, probably even younger, Christian Bale. Uh, mm-hmm. John Malkovich is in it. Actually, Ben Stiller's in it. Very random. Uh, I just remember watching that movie and needing to take a seat, I feel, <laughs> mm. because it was the first time I was really impacted. And I probably shouldn't have been watching such a dramatic movie at as like a second grader, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie. Yes. For $1 million, what movie could you quote from start to finish? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Probably Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, come on. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Just yep. starts. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I want those million dollars. <laughs> From the top. From the top. <laughs> this whole episode is just you quoting Mrs. Doubtfire. Surprise. <laughs> this is my podcast now. <laughs> We're just sweating, like, where are we going to get this million dollars from? <laughs> I won't treat you guys to that. Off off the air, though, right? Off we the air. Yes. No problem. Okay. Grab drinks. Okay. Grab them all. At Katie, you've opted out of our pick a bone section, which is fair. I just want to let you know that you will not be saved from the conflict. I'm ready for conflict. Okay. Oh, Lord. I feel like you have a bone to pick with me. I mean, I have since we met, but... Oh! (laughs) Damn, that was a long time ago, too. (laughs) He's been holding on. Shit, that was like eight years ago, at least. It's apparently been way too nice for way too long. Yeah, I'm itchy. Uh, Oh, God. I'm I'm very (laughs) not ready for the fight that's about to happen, but... Katie... What are we fighting about today? Oh my gosh. We are fighting over Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Benjamin Barker. Not Barker. Sweeney Todd now. And he will have his revenge. Where's my wife? She's gone. And he's got your daughter. Judge Tupin. You gotta leave this all behind you now. No. These are desperate times, and desperate measures are called for. All right! You, sir! No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you, bleeders. You, sir! Two, sir! Welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street, is a musical stage to movie adaptation originally written by Stephen Sondheim directed by Tim Burton written by Don Logan Hugh Wheeler Christopher Bond starring Johnny Depp Helena Bonham Carter Alan Rickman Sasha Baron Cohen Timothy Spall Jamie Campbell Bower among many others Sweeney Todd is about oh my god I'm so nervous I'm shaking you Just guys <laughs> Nervous. Oh my goodness. Okay. Sweeney Todd is the infamous story of Benjamin Barker, aka Sweeney Todd, who was a wrongfully accused barber living in London who comes back after being wrongfully imprisoned to take revenge on the people who wronged him. You guys, I learned about Sweeney Todd when I was in college, and I listened to the original Broadway cast recording with Angela Lansbury. More times than I can count. I actually listened to it on my drive this morning (laughs) before recording this podcast. When the movie came out in 2007, I was a little disappointed in it. And I didn't love the movie. But then I couldn't stop listening to it. 
I, I listened to it on Spotify. I YouTubed the songs. I kind of grew into loving this movie. And now here I am years later. And we watched it yesterday. And you guys, this movie is so fucking good. <laughs> I don't care what any of you say today. Um, also, really quick, I have to um, shout out my cousin, Nicole. She told me this week that I don't understand camp. Oh, here we go. <laughs> From the <laughs> beginning of this movie, with our digitally included blood rain and blood in the gears and everything. Listen, this movie, you know exactly what it's going to be right from the beginning. I, that's my opinion. You know exactly what you're getting into with all this blood and gore. I get camp, okay? And this movie <laughs> has a little bit of camp in it. She's been hanging on to that one. I have. I've been really upset about it all week. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I grew to love this movie, and I think it's one of the better stage-to-movie adaptations that we have as far as musicals. Katie, I see your face. You're going to get to talk soon. I have an expressive face. I'm sorry. I love this movie. I love this movie. Katie, since you're our special guest, why don't you just kick us off? Because I know you're going to kick me in the teeth. Let's go. Sure. Okay. Well, <clears throat> this is a Broadway podcast now. I'm just kidding. But um, I saw the touring cast of the 2005 revival, and it was fucking incredible. Uh, and then the movie came out. So like Lacey, I heard the Broadway recording first and then saw the film. And... Um, where do I want to begin? Uh, I think Stephen Sondheim is brilliant, and he's known for having incredibly intricate, just incredibly intricate music. I'm not musically uh, inclined, but I can appreciate good music when I hear it. So when you cast non-singers in a Sondheim musical, I think it is, oh God, what is the word? It, it, it just doesn't give justice to the brilliance of what Sondheim wrote, especially when they take out the title song, which comes back throughout the whole show. That's my biggest qualm with it. Non-singers <laughs> and they, okay, those are my two biggest qualms, non-singers, and they take out the title song. So like they attend the tale of Sweeney Todd? Yes. How would you make that work in a movie? Because when Mamma Mia did it, it looked ridiculous. It did not. But thank you for coming to my defense. Having a chorus, having a chorus in a movie has never worked once. Sorry, I know it's not my turn to speak, but I don't even think you have to have a chorus do it. Like it could still be just disembodied voices. Well, I mean, In the Heights just did it. Anything goes. Anything goes with this movie. Before I'm not gonna get into my take on it, but I feel like you could just have people, you know, in London singing. Like they don't have to be chorus members. Like they can just be to bring it to Beauty and the Beast, how people in the fucking streets are just singing. There's a way to do it. So is Beauty and the Beast with you. Yeah, it is. Forever and ever. I can see where you're coming from, Katie, but I think we get the repeated themes of the opening number from the overture, from the beginning title screens, and those are the themes that continue to pop up throughout the movie. So I didn't miss it. I also think... The intro is very theatrical, and for a movie adaptation, I don't, it, for this movie in particular, I don't see that working. Listen, I'm, I'm not Tim Burton. I did not direct this film. Nobody is handing me this film to direct in the future, so I don't know how it would work out. But <laughs> it is the best part of the musical. I was re-listening to it. I was going back and forth from the original cast recording to uh, the Patti Lapone one. And it's obviously Patty's show. Um, Michael Service is also incredible in it. But I don't know. It just, it sends chills up your spine every time you hear it. And it, there's beautiful harmonies. My God. So it really bothers me that it's not in this. And I don't know how it would work. But I mean, also, if you look at like Le Mis, Master of the House, that's a group number as well. And it works completely. Mm -hmm. which is also Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Bohm Carter. But, yeah. All right. Well, let's pause there because we have. I have to get to everybody else. I'm oh, so scared. Okay. Um, Mella, hit me with your take. Okay. 
I'm going to try this. There's a hole in the world like a great black pit and Tim Burton Sweeney's Todd inhabit it. This uh, movie fucking sucks. <laughs> oh, no. This movie fucking blows. Before we continue review. I want to turn myself into a pie. Are you are you open to creative criticism? Yes, please. This was just like off the dome. Let's workshop it. Let's workshop it. Because you said there's a hole in the world. It's a great back, black pit. Uh-huh. And this movie, and then you said fucking sucks when this movie shit. is a piece of shit. It was right there. Ooh. I don't okay. know how he even says shit in the song. I don't know how you. Yeah, correct. I didn't get that far. I just wanted to get <laughs> right down to my feelings on it. Oh, boy. A piece of shit. Amazing. Lacey, this movie is so silly. It's so silly. It's like, okay, for you listeners who've seen The Office, the whole like Andy doing the show is so funny to me because it's this movie. It's not this movie. It's this show. And the, the, the songs and like the cockney and everything just make it way more funny. But then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, they're not being funny. This is like the show. <laughs> I can't suspend my disbelief one fucking bit. I have to jump on Katie's coattails and say, Johnny Depp, what the fuck, bro? You are not a singer. You aren't even trying to sing in this. I don't think it sounds that bad. He doesn't, he doesn't sound that bad. He doesn't you sound You guys, gay. he's in a rock band. He's less offensive. He is in a rock band. He's less offensive he than Alan. He can sing. <laughs> Well, he wasn't singing in this. Maybe he's singing in his uh, that band. That would be the last critique I walk away with is Johnny Depp's singing. This is my first critique. This is not my last one. Uh, she said what she said. <laughs> I feel like he's the least offensive of like the top three builds, you know? He's the least offensive. But it's not great. It's not, it's not good, Bob. Are you? Oh, hold on to that, Katie, because I swear to God, if you're coming after Alan Rickman, I'm going to tear you a new one. Josh, you're next. <laughs> So it's a it's a rough episode. <laughs> God, just say it. I'm gonna pull some heat off you for this one. Don't worry. My problems with this movie don't entirely lie with the movie. They lie with Sondheim. There, I said it. Oh, oh my God! Josh. I don't think this. I was... can no longer be a part of this podcast. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, theater kids! Just because you were told to like Sondheim, everything Sondheim in school doesn't mean you have to. Let me talk to you for a second. Okay. Oh, shut up, Marvel fan. I've How many Marvel movies have I told you I dislike? At least five or six. None. 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 Uh, Thor's one and two. Captain America one. Guardians of the Galaxy two. Go I, go with your wrong take about I Sondheim. might be go. jumping on this train. Okay. Can you name me any Sondheim musical that doesn't start with the expositional patter that he does every single time? Can you name me one? So that's a signature. I'm okay with it. Yeah, what? That's like his thing, right? Yeah. What? Okay, so signature's okay if you like it. It's not re- boring or repetitive like Lin-Manuel Miranda or Marvel. Or... Oh my God. This is the real bone okay. Josh wants to pick with me. Who said, why are you just going he's, off? Oh, he's attacking everyone tonight. I'm saying people shit on Lin-Manuel. I'm using Lin-Manuel as an example. People shit on him because he has the same rhythms. He uses the same cadences in a lot of his rap. He even uses a lot of the same harmonies between songs. People shit on him for that. Nobody shit on him. They gave him a Pulitzer for it. What are you talking about? And multiple Tonys. <laughs> he said I don't. He's about to be an EGOT winner. That's fine. I've. You may not have shit on him, but I'm saying you can't deny that Sondheim has a very specific bag of tricks that he pulls out every fucking time. And I will say this. The harmonies and the melodies that he uses for a lot of his ballads are all different, and those are beautiful. I'm talking about the fucking patter at the beginning of every Sondheim musical doesn't work all the time. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I'm also on this train. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why does it work for you? Why does it work? Defend it. Defend it. No, I want to hear you defend it. There's a difference between I don't like it and it doesn't work. And I feel like, Josh, you just Mm. go for, you go for popular things. Sondheim is the most popular composer of all fucking time. What are you talking about? (laughs) You just made my point. I said, you go for popular things and tear it down because it makes you edgy. But this is not a great Can you defend it? Can you defend it? Yes. Go. What? Well, I haven't heard your problem with it. Why does it work? Why does it make it good? 
Why does it not work for you other than he does it all the time? That's not an that's not an argument. Because it's not it doesn't give a voice. It's not a specific voice. When every single character and every single musical he does has this pattern that does it, that ruins the specific voice of that character. You can't tell me every single character has that train of thought and every single character speaks and sings like that. It ruins it and makes them all the fucking same. The difference that he distinguishes is in not in how they say it, but what they're saying. Every character might talk the same, but they're not saying the same thing. Well, that's just location. Okay, Sweeney Todd talks about London and fucking, I don't know, Dewey talks about School of Rock. Like, it's the same pattern every time. Wait, School of Rock is uh, Andrew Lloyd I mean, sorry. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Keep that in, Rashawn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Katie. Why does it work for you? Well, first I want to know, are you talking about the first song in the movie or are you talking about, I assume you're talking about the first song in the movie or are you talking about you're excited that they cut the title song yeah i don't i think it works we get off the title song for a second oh i will never get off the title song it's fine i'll do it it's not in the movie but is that honestly josh is that what you're because the opening song that would compare to the prologue of into the woods or sunday in the park with george is not in the movie so i'm trying to hear where you're critique is i'm not i'm i'm telling i'm i'm saying his his melodies and his when he writes songs and ballads and melodies and i love those it's it's the pattern it's the little the little the thing that i was doing yeah but the pattern isn't doesn't start in this movie like that whole that whole I, opening it is does not-, not matter where it comes why are we focusing on when because you said <laughs> all they all start the same and then yeah. the rest of the movie is different but the start of the musical is not in the movie. So I'm trying to figure I'm out where... I'm not saying... <laughs> open curtain. I'm saying that the expositional Katie, pattern Katie. comes in... No, I'm also confused. I'm, all, I'm also... Co- that's why I asked what he was talking... What he was referring you're taking to. The words, you're taking the word start way too literally is what I'm saying. I'm saying it... Uh, it, it and, in act... <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. In act one of the movie. Okay. In act okay. one of the show, I mean. There is always Sondheim expositional pattern. Am I wrong? No. Sure, but I, I don't I don't understand the, the problem. Why do, why does that work for you? Because I I get story from it. I don't You're you're shitting on me asking why it doesn't work and I'm asking you why it does work and I haven't received an answer yet. Because your only critique of it is that he does it all the time, so it's bad. Right. And I Okay, can you give me a pro then? Because you haven't yet. I'm gonna let you have it, Josh, because I don't know Just where. No one can give me a pro. I'm gonna let you have it. Give no, one pro. Give, no one can tell me why we they get, like it. We get a lot of story in a small amount of time. If they're like ripping, uh, uh, God, uh, if they're like <laughs> getting through the song and he does it in such that in that quick, what do you keep calling it? Patter. 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 Then we're getting it. We're getting whatever what their want is. We're getting what their end game is. I, I I feel like my brain just can't wrap why that doesn't because you've been told to like you. Sondheim your whole life. I just don't it's just agree a, with his that. Style. I don't know what <laughs> class I took that they inserted a Sondheim chip in my brain that you're talking about, but I think what he does in most of his shows, Sunday in the Park, I love Into the Woods. I think he efficiently over melody gets a lot of information across in about five or ten minutes time. And I think because he's done it a lot, maybe it's overused, but I don't ever think it's less effective because of what he's doing. Like he has perfected that. And I think it's, it's soothing to the ear. I think it's, Mm. it's not Mm -hmm. like a quick and easy melody that you can just catch. But I think if you, the more that you listen to it, it rewards you over and over and over again, because you find little notes, you find little words, you find little character beats in one condensed song and he does this with like five or six characters that's why i like it he's like the aaron sorkin of musical theater he gets Ooh, it out quick and take, fast oh that's a good comparison a melody's reliance on re-listening does not seem fair in a musical theater setting but i think josh if you're going into a sondheim musical you're expecting that you're expecting to have to that's not fair for first-time theater goers that's not very inviting. I didn't say I didn't get it on the first watch. I'm, you're asking me why I like it. 
what he does with character and story and exposition over one song is great. I think there's a reason that he is who he is. And the characters and the story that I get in Into the Woods and Sweeney Todd, I agree with Katie that the opening ballad of of Sweeney Todd is just one of the best openings in musical theater, period. It just like bowls you over with feeling and music. There's not a lot of people that can do what Sondheim do just because he does it a lot. I think Aaron Sorkin is a perfect comparison in film. Like he has a lot of patter in his screenplays and there's a lot of back and forth in his screenplays. I think just because he does that in the social network and Molly's game and a few good men, that doesn't mean that it's bad, but I, I don't know if that's good enough for you, but <laughs> I guess what bothers me is I'm sorry. Don't attack me. Cause you refuse to give me a pro for 10 minutes. I guess what Josh, bothered me you came out the gate and said, you guys all like it because you've been told to like it and you're all wrong. That's how you, you came out the gate. I didn't say you were wrong. I'm just maybe asking you to re-examine it. So what I guess my issue is, is because, as I mentioned, as you keep trying to twist my words, that I love his melodies and his harmonies. I think the music he creates is some of the best. Why can't that variety be extended to the times when he wants to put forward some exposition? I don't think he wants to. I think exposition is so boring. Get through it, you know? <laughs> I mean, simply put, I don't think he wants to. I, I don't... It doesn't, it doesn't exactly. have to be, though. I, I mean, I honestly think that's like... We have more like, shit to get to. Yeah, we do. But I will finish this discussion by saying I think that is truly just his style. And the way that you brought up Lin-Manuel and Aaron Sorkin is like, this is the beat this is what they stay on they know people are gonna love it they have a bunch of sondheim heads that are gonna listen and they listen for this beat i personally don't care for sondheim i found out during this watch of sweeney todd and then i looked at the rest of his shows and i was like damn i don't like any of these except for forum but that's because i was in forum and i have like you know memories tied to that but there's not a lot of sondheim i like i don't like sunday in the park I don't like, oh. what did you just name her, Sean? Um, in, Into the Woods. I don't like any of that shit. It's just very, very like classical musical theater for me. Wow. No me gusta para nada. <laughs> okay. Well, after that big hot take, Josh, you still didn't say how you felt about this movie in particular. Um, It's okay. <laughs> All right. Rashawn, how do you feel? <laughs> Um, I feel like a lifetime just passed. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got hot and cold. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. I like this movie a lot. I love it. There you go, Lace. You do? Mm-hmm. I really, really do. Oh, my God. I thought I was totally alone. No, you're not alone. I don't disagree with a lot of what Katie and Josh, who I just hate right now, <laughs> but I don't disagree with what they're saying. But I think the defense that I would come from is that this is an adaptation mm-hmm. and that Tim Burton adapts this extremely well for film. With one exception, I think in, in moments, this movie is very ugly to look at. Ooh. It's just really garish. I think some of the sets are just don't work for me at all. But that's, mm-hmm. oh my God. I know. That's the point. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> However, I think he he leans into he does he respects Sondheim, except cutting the opening number, but he respects the the musical and he fashions it into a Tim Burton story. And I think a lot of the humor that Lovett and Sweeney have in the show, it's kind of filtered through this dark, dark, dark. Tim Burton humor and I think Johnny Depp and Helena are just incredible as far as them not being singers I don't mind that because I think lyrically they are always in the pocket and they're acting every single song Mm -hmm. so for me this is this movie is incredible oh except Lacey this is not a campy movie (laughs) <laughs> at all and i still think Ooh. nikki is right sorry what how is this not camp this is not camp you just like 
put me on the mountaintop and then avalanched me down. I don't, whatever. It's it's not camp. Okay, I don't get camp. Would you have it any other way, Mama? I don't know. Moving on, Katie. Yes. The fuck you mean, Alan Rickman can't sing? <gasps> Baby girl, did you watch the movie? <laughs> that would be not great. It's not. It, he's. It, mm. But that's also how he speaks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, this is also an unpopular take. But it's sort of like Selena Gomez when she sings. It's just kind of how she speaks. And that is Alan Rickman in this film. And I love Alan Rickman. R.I.P. Always. We love him. However. I don't, I just, ugh, I don't know. I just feel like cast singers are so many talented. Okay, I I agree with you. And that He's is, great in the part, just. Is definitely like a musical theater take. Josh's hand is raised. I see Josh's hand, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, I mean, that's something we come from all the time with musical theater movies is cast the singers. But what I mm. think is really important to note with this movie is Stephen Sondheim approved the casting of this he was not sure about Johnny Depp singing because he is a rock singer and approved of it and was like I think he's doing a great job Helena Bottom Carter sent him I think I read it was 12 different audition tapes of her singing Mm. and wanted this part and worked for it and went to singing lessons took baking classes to do it cute and Stephen Sondheim says this is the one movie adaptation of his that he likes, that he approves of. When did he say that? So. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Suck it, Trebek. I don't know. Check IMDb. Josh, you're up. Two things with the not a singer, singer argument. There is room in the Broadway musical sphere for not singers, and there has been for a long time. I don't know if it's just because it's a Sondheim that you're anti- not singers. Kelsey Grammer's been in like eight musicals on Broadway, and that boy can't carry a tune at all. Fuck Kelsey Grammer. Two. Jesus Christ. He's <laughs> a trumper. I don't care. Two. I don't want to be mean to a little kid. Toby's a very good singer. Very good singer. Dead in the eyes. Dead. dead the, 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 eyes. Two, the, two things, the two things between his ears, uh, dead. I would rather have a good actor than a good singer in a movie. He's turned off. A hundred times out of a hundred. Me too. Agreed. Me too. Agreed. But... My other qualm is that Toby in the stage production is a full-grown adult. I tried looking why they made that choice to make him a kid, and I couldn't really find anything. I think probably to make Pirelli more evil. I don't know. I don't don't care for it being a kid. I think he's a kid to kind of give Lovett this want for a... a mm-hmm. Full family. She has a husband. She has a child. She has everything that she hasn't achieved up until now. And the sight of her holding Toby and having what she thinks is a husband <laughs> um, kind of gives her a lot more to lose, as yeah. opposed to if it was like a full grown man. So I I don't mind Toby. I agree, Rashawn. I agree with you, especially re-listening to the original Broadway cast recording after watching the movie, I think Mrs. Lovett is presented as way more unhinged on stage Mm. and way more antagonistic throughout the movie. I don't know about y'all, but I feel bad for her. I have sympathy for her. I have empathy for her up until the end when we realize she's deceived Sweeney Todd this whole time and knew that Lucy was still alive. And then I see her. I still have empathy for her, but she is the wicked lady. She is, you know, the bad. She, in my opinion, is the true antagonist in this story. Can can I talk about that part, please? What part? So, what does my answer matter? <laughs> the ending. Yeah. The ending. Okay, go for it. So, the issue with a lot of movie musicals or musicals adapted into movies is that it shines a light on on (laughs) yeah it shines a light because i said it out loud while we were watching it it shines a light on concessions we have to make while watching a musical it very 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 much bothered me that when sweeney todd found lucy's body at the bottom of the of the shaft he saw the body, looked up, 
at Mrs. Lovett and went, you knew? How did he get there? I actually have an answer for this. I didn't in the moment because I was trying to finish watching the movie. I have an answer for it now. She says she's actively trying to get him to not look mm-hmm. at her. She's actively like, no, I'm not going to. No, no, no. Just grab the other one. Uh, I don't want to open the furnace because then the light's going to shine on her. No, no, no. Don't look at her. Don't get too close to her. She's actively putting up the barriers and he puts it together himself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and also throughout the movie, she's continually kicking her out of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, and that obviously. But when he, well, there's a few times when he sees that. So to see that she is, yeah, there's one time where he does, I forget what song it is, but she's like, get her out, get him out, get him out, get him mm-hmm. out. I thought he was upstairs during that with when they re in the grand reopening. I think, I think he's going up the stairs yeah. at one point and like, you know, has a, a quick moment. Yeah, because she talks to him and then she talks, she turns around to Toby and she's like, get him out, get him, get her out, get her out. It's really quick. I agree with you that he puts it all together, but I agree with Lacey that in that moment, she's like, no, 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 I'll get it later. Don't worry about it. Worry about it. And then he sees her face and it, it's kind of, it's a quick realization, but I, I kind of buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll chill, I'll chill <laughs> on that one a little bit. Josh, give it the praise that you said at the end of the movie. I don't remember. <laughs> Josh. The, I really don't. The presenting of the movie. <laughs> oh, that was cool. It was a really good moment where the framing makes it look like Toby is sneaking up on him, and 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 the shoot and the shots make it look like you know he carefully lifts the sewer grate and he carefully picks up the knife. It implies that Toby is sneaking up on him, but this was the first time, and maybe it's because I, I haven't watched it in like ten years that. I kind of understood that, oh, Sweeney definitely heard him, and Sweeney is presenting his neck to Toby to get it sliced. Mm. That's how I took it. Mm. And I, I thought that was a really cool shot. I don't see that. Because he's, he's, he's leaning over Lucy, and kind of as Toby's shadow ap- appears over him, he kind of just looks up a little bit, and he doesn't, you know, fucking snap his head back. It's so, so subtle. It's so subtle. But it is very powerful. There's no reason for him to lift his head at all because he's been looking at Lucy. And then he just kind of tilts his head up just a little bit. And then Toby cuts his... It it was a very good shot for me. Now I want to rewatch that part. I don't think that dawned on me. It was that good of an ending was the perfect antithesis to how abysmal that opening is. I don't think I've seen worse aging CGI <laughs> since the Scorpion King. How, it's it's blood and gears. How do, It almost seems intentional at how bad it is. I, uh-huh, yeah. Right? Like, why is the... I also say the blood in the movie, I'm, is it also intentional? Because why is it like... Horrible. Not quite red. Oh yeah, that's intentional. My hand is raised. What it do? You're the blood host, is girl. Intentional. Why? The color of the blood. <laughs> the blood isn't. The blood is intentional. I just read this. Tim Burton wanted it to be a gory movie, and very specifically wanted it to be a very bloody movie because in the stage adaptation, it's just the red scarf mm-hmm. as symbolizing the blood coming out of their neck, and he said that in the movie. The blood symbolizes Sweeney Todd's kind of release. And it's it's a symbolic, what are you making a face for? Like release? Oh my God, Josh. Gross. <laughs> it's like an emotional release. It's like a... He's joking, but I, I also think it's it's like an ejaculation. You think it's sexual? Yeah. Why does everything have to be horny? Because it's... Uh... Because it's Tim Burton. <laughs> I think this is a very sexual musical. I, mm-hmm. I really do. And I, I think that even even just the ribbon in the show, I think that's meant to kind of allude to a rele- a sexual release as well when he cuts people's throats. Jesus Christ. Okay. Sorry. I buy it. Well, <laughs> anyways, it was meant to be gratuitous. Mrs. Lovett's falling all over him and he has no, I mean, yeah. He has no, you You do not see him act on any desires whatsoever. No, yeah. With the, with the female form. Mm-hmm. This could be it for him. Balls get full, you know what I mean? Oh my, oh God. my God. Back me up, Rashawn. Also, <laughs> they do. 
Also, <laughs> the blood that they use is orange. And, <laughs> that's and what I was. He... That's all I was saying. Okay. That's literally all I was saying. <laughs> the blood is orange intentionally so because he wanted it to come out a specific red on camera and he wanted it to even come across even if you watch this movie in black and white he wanted the blood to be vivid that's what i was just asking about not really the come but okay (laughs) (laughs) here we are well because i think he's at this when he comes back to london Mm -hmm. on the boat i think by that time he's a corpse Mm. so nothing sexually uh really arouses him Except when he finally... Oh my god, we're still in the horny. I know, I'm not. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's an academic horny. It really is, and that's why I can't argue it. I think it, it, even in the lyrics when he says his hand is complete, like, I don't think he's talking... I think he's talking about his third leg. Yeah! <laughs> Just saying. Rashawn's gonna teach a class about this. Sex and theater. Um, <laughs> it'll go along with my sex and Halloween. Yeah. That was a take. <laughs> <laughs> I think the re- the intentional splurting of Kill Bill style blood is is very sexual in nature, and that's the only time he's aroused. Honestly, all right. I have another pro that I really yeah. liked. There is a man on this planet that we all inhabit who has never missed a goddamn day in his life and his name is Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. I love I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's never done anything wrong. <laughs> that's it. That's my that's my critique. Oh, did you watch What's that? You I watched really Charlie liked him in this. Rashawn? Oh. Yeah, I watched what? Charlie Chicago 7. Oh shit. That's not his fault. He was miscast. That's not his fault. I think everything in that movie was missed. <laughs> I really liked him in this. And uh, I, I read in the trivia on IMDb that to audition for this part, he did the entirety of Fiddler mm-hmm. on the Roof. For God, I love him so much. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> I wanted to point out, watching it this time, I always really liked, in the original Broadway and in the movie, I loved Epiphany when we see that really big shift in Sweeney Todd's character. Josh, you said it too. You don't expect the violence to come that late in the show. I mean, it doesn't come until we're well over halfway or about halfway at least. Johnny Depp does a really good job at acting his ass off in a soliloquy singing. The asides that he does, he's in close-up. And he's just selling it. Josh, I think you said it. And Rashawn, you brought it up as well. These are actors who are singing. And I think that's why I love this movie as much as I do. Because they're not missing the small moments. And everything is played so truthfully. I mean, Helena Bonham Carter has so many of those moments too. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to shout out, shout that out. I think the part you're talking about, I hate. Why though? Here we go. <laughs> I don't know the name of the song, so someone please help me. But it's basically when he's like, ah, epiphany. I should fucking kill. <laughs> it's all these epiphany. <laughs> yes. It's this. All right. Exact lyrics. <laughs> I hate it so much. Like fuck. <laughs> there it is. It's the it's the music. It's his acting it's like he's doing his fucking best with what he's got and i understand that everyone's like but these this music and these lyrics are phenomenal no they're fucking not i hate it he's like walking through the alley and he's like talking to himself but we're like looking at it like the people can't see him and he's like oh i'm gonna slice and dice all these throats and then like he gets back up to the barbershop and he starts like singing a ballad. What the fuck? Why? It's just, I hate it so much. <laughs> I feel like Epiphany is very much transformation, like in Jekyll and Hyde. Like it's, mm, yeah. it's having to encompass two dual sides of this personality within 
Benjamin Barker and Sweeney Todd. So we're getting these luscious, you know, am I Lucy? Like we're getting these gorgeous mm-hmm. ballads amidst the patter. It's that that juxtaposition that he's having within himself we're getting to listen to. And I think Johnny Depp acts those beats really well. This is one of those things that it just, for me, doesn't work on on screen. It'll work in theater. Mm-hmm. That's why we have theater because in theater you can do things and, and like again anything goes we'll believe it because it's theater. But on screen it's just kind of corny. Like I just I I get that I'm I've been in, watching this movie for 45 goddamn minutes and then we get here and I'm still not in the story. I just it the whole I get the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing. I totally understand it literally but i feel like it's not computing it just seems so what is what is not computing because i'm about to call bullshit because you love west side story and you love in the heights and i need to know uh-huh. is it just hmm. sondheim because i'll get if you're just not don't like sondheim that's fine yeah. but the whole singing on screen not computing for you doesn't compute for me no 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 it's not because i'm not sitting here on this podcast saying i don't like musicals i brought fucking hairspray to this pod right i love greece greece too <laughs> is a bible so Ma'am? it's not sh- <laughs> shut up josh it's this is not the episode yet it's not the episode yet yet oh it's coming coming to a pod near you um oh my God. it's not it's not it's not people singing on screen it's not that i can't suspend my disbelief for people singing on screen I just hate, I hate that song. I hate what they're doing with it. <laughs> I hate the lyrics. I think it's so silly. It's just so silly. So it's because when um, Miss Lovett is doing her pie song, it's cute. I'm with it. I think she's so good. But it's that song specifically. I don't know what they need to switch up, but I, I, I fucking hate it. That's it. That's, wow, that's, that's one of the... My favorite parts of the whole movie. Me too. <laughs> I, it's so Me bad. too. It is. So he is it's great so in good, it. man. I, I just uh, the idea of I wish the movie was more of that. I wish they hadn't cut the ensemble. I wish the chorus was just like stalking through the streets of London on Fleet Street and singing. Tim Burton does not like musicals. Um, Helena actually says that on a behind the scenes thing that I watched, but you can kind of tell. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because I'm I chose to watch Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd. So mm-hmm. that's fine. This is his choice. And he you can tell that he's not a huge fan mm-hmm. of big musical numbers, which Sweeney Todd has many on stage. Mm-hmm. So I get it, but I think Epiphany is the one moment where he kinda has to. You either cut that mm-hmm. song or you give in to what Steven Sondheim's doing with that song. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was more of that in the show. I maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe it seems a little jarring for me because how you said like he this is a musical and I feel up until this point all of the music kind of flows like it doesn't really seem like people are singing out of character. It just flows. But then Epiphany happens and like you said it just has to be in this musical. It has to be a musical number and there's no chorus. There's no one else singing everybody else is kind of just like ambiance whereas like in a another movie or on stage those people would be singing and it just feels kind of like what the fuck is going on to me i think that works because because sweeney feels isolated he feels like he's the only one in the Mm -hmm. world in london that sees it for what it is so that works for me and i will to defend sondheim because i don't want people leaving this episode thinking (laughs) i don't like sondheim too late i I think Sondheim <laughs> I think Sondheim more than anyone else stays true to and encapsulates the musical theater golden rule is that when emotions get too high for speaking you sing and when they get too high for singing you dance and I mm-hmm. think Sondheim does that textbook better than anyone else Tim Burton has kept that rule for this and just taken out the course I think he's like okay when emotions get too high for this character they will sing and and disregards the chorus, which <laughs> works in places. Sometimes work doesn't work in others. 
I don't want to fight with you anymore, Josh. Oh. <laughs> but, <it's>, <laughs> but I disagree well, hey. about. I don't think Sondheim does the emotion so high I have to sing moments. I think his characters live in a world where song is their sole expression. Mm-hmm. Most of his characters enter and exit his world singing. And there are more heightened songs in his shows, but I think singing is their language. And yeah, that's all. But that's what I mean. Is do they do they say anything important, or is everything important sung? I think you're both right. You come into a Sondheim musical expecting that heightened storytelling. You're expecting the characters to be there already at that emotional precipice. So I think you're both correct in that everything is elevated to the moments of singing because it's a Sondheim musical. Because you're going into it expecting this heightened level of storytelling but I think Josh you're correct with the movie is Tim Burton executes that is that it's dialogue and speaking until it until the emotions are too heightened then the song comes in where it's more lyrical in the stage adaptation right yeah that's so I don't disagree with you Josh yeah no I agree (laughs) you're both right you're both right Tim Burton does what you're saying but I don't think Sondheim does well Sondheim can't can't do that all the time because instead of talking he just has them patter which fucking oh i swear to god let's not well, we won't, to go that. ahead and move on um, but i do want to say we were talking through all the songs and i want to say that i believe down by the sea is campy That's it all. is thank you katie it's great i love that it's such a fun song and the, the whole color scheme changes and they're yeah i think it's campy i think that's my favorite part she literally makes the seagull sound. I think it's Lacey's favorite word. Camp. It's whimsical. That is my favorite word. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to all these episodes. What <laughs> <laughs> <But>, up? Uh... <laughs> Fine. I'll take the bullet. Gun in my head. I couldn't tell you what's camp and what's not. <laughs> I feel like it's hard to explain. Camp is a case-by-case you... basis. Go ahead, Mel. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I think Down by the Sea is my favorite part of the movie because it's not like anything else that's happening in the movie. (laughs) I don't know. It just seems so incredibly Tim Burton. And I love I love Tim Burton. I think I mean, he's so specific, so true to Tim Burton in Down by the Sea. He has no like restraints to anything else. And it's like all him for that that part. And I just I think Elena is so good in this movie. Like, she's so cute. And, like, how you said you feel bad the whole... I mean, I did the whole time. You have sympathy for her the whole entire time. And I'm like, damn, she didn't deserve to burn up like that. Yeah, she did. Like, she made a little mistake. She made a little mistake. And a little murdered a mistake? bunch of people. Her business was, you know... We've all been there. <laughs> I'd like to backtrack that in the mistake listing, no one mentioned cooking humans into pies and feeding them into other humans. This is the world we live in. You got to survive. Why couldn't she? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one's eating those goddamn cockroaches. Well, Why couldn't she just open a bakery? Why does she have to use green meat and then human meat and everything? Just turn them into pastries, madam. Why does she have to make it meat? What is she going to do with all that body? What you gonna do with all that junk? Oh, shit. The, I'll tell you what mistake she made. I'll tell you what mistake she made. You should have cut the fingertips off and then <gasps> none of this would have happened. Mella, no, no, I think no. I think that's an issue in the grinding. I think I think I think you I think you with a human you would have to double grind it because fingertips are small enough to get through that. So I think you would have to double grind it. <laughs> oh my god. But from okay, let's just take you on a quick journey. Motherfucker falls down the shaft. You take off the clothes, right? You take mm-hmm. a butcher knife, which she has a thousand of. Mm-hmm. Chop, chop, well, chop, 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 all ten fingers and toes, or all the didn't toes, they have all were, phalanges. Was that, sorry, it was a little dark and there's a glare on our TV, but was that a box, like, did they collect the teeth? Did they remove the teeth? That was also my thing. I'm like, you got to take out the teeth, too. And the That's eyeballs. a lot of work. Well, maybe not. That's a lot of work. No, eyeballs yeah. are the ground. To remove the dental cavity? Remove the eyeballs. That's but not just like for sure. Like that's a lot of shit. But know. I mean, we see the pile of bones at the end. We see like right. That's what's confusing to me. Is 
I mean, they... they were getting lazy. She was getting lazy. Yeah, I don't point. think from the bones, I don't think it was that she removed them. I think that those bodies had been there for a while and she's like, ooh, shit, gotta throw those away soon. Like, it like just kind of. Like a rib, just like pull it right <laughs> off the bone. Yeah. Oh, uh, Joshua. Well, that's my thing. I think I think that was the implication with the with the press, finger press, press. or the toe or whatever it was, is that they were getting lazy because it yeah. seems like there's a lot of prep work that needs to be done that like a, a Victorian era grinder probably wouldn't be able to grind out human bone or human teeth. So maybe before they were they were deboning all of the bodies to put in the grinder, and now she was just chucking them in and got ahead of herself. It. Business yeah. was booming, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Any last grievances? Any last praises? Um, I don't want to be mean, but but ind- indicative to our discussion of the movie, Anthony and Joanna were just kind of there. Yeah, we didn't even talk about them. Yeah, I definitely lost interest, and I get it. Every movie slash every musical needs a doesn't need, but will tend to have a love storyline, and there's such extraordinary outlandish things mm-hmm. happening in the barbershop and the meat pie store that when you cut to a young love storyline, I don't care. That's where we falter from the movie to the musical too. There's mm-hmm. so much more character development in the musical for both of them. We miss so much of their story in the movie. Yeah, this movie did Joanna yeah. dirty. Um, yeah, we get, we lose a lot of songs, but I think Anthony and Joanna sh- kind of show what Sweeney went through and that what their journey could possibly end up being cyclical and that he could if he doesn't let go of this kind of obsessive love that he has for her he could end up in the same spot that Sweeney ends up in and Sweeney even kind of tries to slap him out of it at one point but he's just he has like razor focus on on loving Joanna he just saw her in the window and fell in love right that's what it is that's what I'm saying. He's obsessed with her hair. Just find another blonde guy. Carmela, you just cited Beauty and the Beast. I'm Don't just asking oh, a question. <laughs> I didn't know Don't if there was this. a previous meet you know, in the market or if he was like, damn, that bitch is fly. And all he talks about in Joanna her is hair. her yellow hair. He just went to the asylum blonde. and saw all them blondies. He could have picked another this one. This is horrible. horrible. Just as crazy. All right, y'all. Who wants to play a game? Welcome to Mrs. Blake Vetter's Meat Pie Shop, everyone. I am going to present to you five meat pies made out of five different Tim Burton characters. I'm going to give you three ingredients per pie, and I will assign three points if you guess it after the first ingredient, two points if you guess it after the second ingredient, and one point if you can guess it after all three ingredients. They are from five different Tim Burton movies, and they are scrum diddly umptious. Buzz in when you think you have an answer. Are we ready? Yes, ma'am. Order number one. The first ingredient, as you bite into your meat pie, you taste mushroom. Josh, I saw your hand first. Mad Hatter. No. Oh, damn. And then you chew a little bit more, and it gets rather sweet like a sugar cookie. Mella. Alice. Ding, 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 ding. Your first meat pie is made out of Alice Little. Yay. (laughs) Not me me being stuck on Johnny Depp characters. (laughs) I know. I had to like get that out of my mind. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Mella, that's two points for you. Well done, Mella. God, that Mm, really mm, fucking mm. sucks. Okay. (laughs) The third ingredient in the pie is you um, finish is a nice, sweet cherry tart to finish it all off. Ooh. Ding, ding. Order number two. As you bite into this meat pie, you get 
the tangy sweetness of ambrosia salad. And then upon chewing, you find that there is a single green pea inside this meat pie. Mella? Um, it's from Edward Scissorhands. Yes. It's, 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 it's the fucking neighbor. That's incorrect. I'm sorry. Fuck. I don't know anyone. Josh. Is it Edward? It is Edward. Oh. Let's go. Let's go. Fuck. So that is two points for Josh. Enjoy your scissor hand meat pie. Also, you finish off with a nice icy cold snow cone flavor at the end. Ding, ding. Order three. You bite into this meat pie and you get a salty roasted flavor of pheasant. No, 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 no. And then things get a little liquidy and a little chewy as you find a soupy eyeball inside your meat pie. Josh? Is it Beetlejuice? It is not Beetlejuice. But then... With a final bite, you get a delicious white icing sweetness of wedding cake. Rashawn. Is it the corpse bride? It is. The, and the rat? And the, no, it. And the character name? It's the corpse. It's the bride. <laughs> no, it's not. It is not Emily. No, it is not. Josh. Is it the groom? It is not Victor. No. <laughs> There's more than two characters in that movie? All I was going to guess was the corpse bride. <laughs> it is his human bride, Victoria, Ooh, who eats What a twist. Things. Sorry, y'all. No points for that. Mella has two. Josh has two. It's still anyone's game. Ding, ding. Order four. You bite into your meat pie, and you get the salty goodness of popcorn in your first bite. Popcorn. Josh? Is it Batman? No. And then there's something floral. Oh. Roshan, before I continue? Edward? It is not Edward. No. That's a good one, though. Good guess. Then you get something floral. Something yellow like a daffodil inside your meat pie. Katie, do it. Go for it. I can't remember anyone's name. Is it Big Fish? It is Big Fish. I just talked about this movie the other day. Oh, Ewan McGregor? Give it to her. I'm going to give it to you, Katie. I'm going to give it to you as our guest. His name... Is it Fish? No, it's not the fish. His name is Edward Bloom. Okay, great. (laughs) The fish is a character? Yes. I've never seen Big Fish. We've talked about Are this. Are you kidding me? We've talked about this. You're married to her and you've never seen Big Fish? We've talked so about good. this. I've never seen Big Fish. And oh, Ewan McGregor is so good and he's so hot. Lacey, you got some work to do. I guess so. I'm not trying to cry today, though, so I don't think it's going to be today, but it'll be soon. <laughs> All right. Ding, ding. Final order. Order number five. You bite into your meat pie, and it has the familiar taste of Chinese takeout. That'd be kind of a dope pie. And then you take another bite, and you feel the end of some shrimp cocktail wrapped up in there. Mella. Beetlejuice. Say it three times, baby, because you're the winner. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Well done, Mella. You won the pie-eating contest at Mrs. Blake Vetter's Meat Pie Emporium. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Wrapping things up, I think we can all agree that whether Stephen Sondheim is your bag or he's not your bag, he is a prolific writer for stage and screen and deserves all the accolades and respect that he is given. Even if this movie wasn't campy, it was very heightened and required a certain level of um, suspended disbelief in order for it to work. And I think we can all agree that we should get more singers 
who can sing, but also we should get more actors who can sing and tell the story well. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Let the listeners know where can we find you? What do you have going on? Is there anything you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah, I can plug my Instagrams at myfairkatie, except it was already taken. So it's myfair, the letter K, and three Ts. <laughs> she said she's committed. I thought it was creative. <laughs> it is creative. We end each episode with a quick round of six degrees of separation, connecting an actor from this week's movie to an actor from next week's movie. So who can find the quickest connection between... Helena Bonham Carter and Mia Farrow. Ooh. I think I got it. I got it too. I got what? It. <gasps> okay, let's no, hear them shorter. Both. Oh, shit. Mia Farrow is in uh, Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black. <laughs> That's the only one I know. Who is in Jumanji with Kevin Hart? Who is in This Is the End with Emma Watson? This Is the End kind of feels like cheating. Who is in. Harry Potter with Helena Bottom Carter. This is the I, I don't feel good using this as the end. I feel like that should maybe it's be okay. off limits, but you got there. Rashawn, what's yours? Uh, Helena Bottom Carter is in Ocean's Eight with Anne Hathaway. Who's in The Devil Wears Prada with Emily Blunt? Who's in Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black? Who's in Be Kind and Rewind with Mia Farrow? have a tie y'all i'm gonna say it should go to rashawn because i used this as the end (laughs) you know what rashawn we had a good day today it's you and me baby congratulations (laughs) you win (laughs) (laughs) that's it for this week's episode of when cinephiles attack as always we'd love if you took a moment and liked subscribed followed us and rated us on apple podcasts you can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you want to show us some love, or if you want to tell us that this is the worst podcast ever, <laughs> you can email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Lacey, Mella, Josh, Rashawn, Katie. We'll catch you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. To all these Sondheim fans, I'm sorry. I still think he's incredible. I just don't like him.